Hello, this is Change Agents, a series about change and the people who make it happen. I'm Andrew Dodd. Today, the legalisation of medicinal cannabis. When you see somebody, flesh and blood, in front of you who is clearly suffering and who's clearly had that suffering reduced, I'm not surprised that Premier Michael Baird melted in the face of that kind of evidence in front of him. I thought, well, what have I got to lose? You know, I've got a son that's dying and that's desperately unwell and it was absolutely the worst time in our life watching what Daniel went through and we were desperate. In 2016, three Australian states and the Commonwealth passed laws to legalise medicinal cannabis. It was an extraordinary result for a campaign that struggled for decades to gain any traction. But suddenly it took off in the public imagination, prompting state and then federal politicians to agree to the cultivation and prescription of cannabis for people suffering from a wide range of conditions. Today we're going to meet two people who've had a lot to do with this change. Lucy Haslam launched the grassroots campaign in New South Wales after her son Dan was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And Dr Alex Wodak, who's the president of the Australian Drug Law Reform Foundation. Together they convinced the public and politicians that the time for change had come. As Alex Wodak points out, this had been a difficult task for decades, despite the growing evidence that the drug has medicinal benefits. The evidence has been growing. It's been hard to produce that evidence, it's been hard to advocate for medicinal cannabis because all the time we were, in my view, we were faced a 200 kilometre an hour headwind from the war on drugs that was impeding research, uh, providing a very different kind of framework that was very unhelpful for the health-based approach that this was uh, a significant therapy significant intervention that could help people. Has it been known for all of those 20 years and perhaps even longer that there are medicinal benefits from cannabis? Short answer is yes. Um, It's been known for thousands of years. Of course, thousands of years ago, people didn't do research in the kind of fastidious, rigorous way that it's done in the 21st century. But the evidence has been growing and a lot of the evidence has been anecdotal and it had to be anecdotal because to try and get research done, uh, to try and get funding, to try and get the necessary ethics approval and to try and get the agent itself to test has been very, very difficult. The authorities deliberately went out of their way and still go out of their way to make it very difficult to do significant research in this area. So that made it much more difficult. And then the framing that cannabis was a recreational drug and an illicit drug, uh, that didn't help at all. The fact is, we use many drugs in therapeutic medicine that are also used recreationally and, and are illicit when used recreationally. So we use cocaine, we use amphetamine, we use morphine, um, many, many other drugs that are used both medicinally and illegally used recreationally. That doesn't trouble us, but for somehow for medicinal cannabis, it really was uh, a major blockage. 
Now, Lucy, when you began the process of researching all of this, everything that Alex has just told us about the history of this drug and the properties of this drug, you suddenly became aware of in what seemed to be a kind of uh, an attempt to get on top of the history of medicinal cannabis very quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you can't plan to inform yourself without looking at the history. I mean, I wanted to know why I had the opinions that I did, and it became quite clear through looking at the history and, and, you know, the history of prohibition and the war on drugs and, you know, Harry Anslinger in the United States. You know, once you realised all that, you realised why you had the opinion that you did. And and that allowed you then to question it because... um, there's no common sense to it, I guess. So for me, it became fairly clear fairly quickly. Now, you're doing this at a time that is particularly difficult for you. You're, you're seeing your son suffering. You're seeing Daniel getting some benefit from cannabis to alleviate the symptoms of nausea associated with chemotherapy. Why is it that you delved into it so deeply and took on that kind of heavy research? Was it a way of coping with what you were facing? Um, quite possibly. I mean, I wouldn't say it was heavy research. It was just really just informing myself. And I think, you know, in this day and age, everybody tends to hit Google. Um, but my main education, I suppose, came from the inquiry in New South Wales in 2013. And that's how I came to meet Alex. I, I read that inquiry. I read every submission and I sought Alex's advice out after seeing that he'd made submissions and, you know, to my delight, he responded to me and because as a parent, I had some questions around this. I still, despite all this reading, I still had some questions around safety for Daniel that I just wanted answered by someone who I felt was appropriately qualified and that's how Alex and I began our conversation sort of, you know, a couple of years back now, I guess. So Alex, tell us about that meeting. What happened at that meeting? Well, actually, what had happened before the meeting was I'd had a discussion with John Kay. This would have been 2012, 2011. John was a member of the Upper House, a Greens Member of Parliament, unfortunately died earlier this year. And we had similar views on medicinal cannabis, that it was a valuable option that we were being denied. And uh, we thought, what could we do that would make a difference? And remember the discussion very well. I can remember exactly where it took place. And in about five minutes, we listed a series of options. And clearly the standout option was having a parliamentary inquiry. So John put that into motion, managed to get that to happen. And it was very clear when you read the the submissions that almost all these submissions that were made advocating for medicinal cannabis were well-informed, were reasoned, were sensible, uh, some weren't. Um, But when you read the opposition to medicinal cannabis, a lot of it was really very hysterical. And I'm not surprised that Lucy reading those submissions came to the same conclusion. And Lucy's, I must say, done a fabulous job. And I'm so grateful to Lucy um, because she's, she's combined several things. She's combined the position of a compassionate parent who wants to do their utmost to look after their children. She's provided the the advocacy that's based on her own background in nursing and her, her own background as a significant member of a, of a large city in Australia. And she has really done a fabulous job and 
I think all of Australians should be very grateful to her. So, so Lucy, you turn up at Alex's place or office in Sydney uh, as a result of reading his submission to this inquiry. How did that meeting go and how through it did you decide to act? What did you decide to do next? Well, it was actually just an email. Um, I remember sitting at work and trying to track down um, Alex's email address and sort of sending a few out to via, I think, St Vincent's Hospital, hoping that it would reach him. And to my delight, he replied. So it was basically email conversations in, you know, in the first instance. And after a while, we spoke on the telephone. Um, for me, it was just very reassuring. Um, I remember saying to um, Alex, you know, I just want to make sure that Dan won't come to any harm. And he absolutely reassured me that he will come to absolutely no harm. Um, you know, what you're doing is the right thing. And I remember sort of saying to Alex, you know, is there any way we can challenge the health minister's response to the Senate inquiry? Because her you know, it was it was so hopeful reading the Senate inquiry and seeing the unanimous recommendations, and then so um, despairing when I read the health minister's response, which was um, just basically to to put all these recommendations on the back burner and review it at some stage in the future, and and it just didn't seem sensible or you know logical in any way, shape, or form to spend all this money on a Senate inquiry and have people sitting through hours and hours of submissions and people taking the time and the effort to put those submissions in and then having the very person who should be listening to this advice just knocking it on the head and saying, you know, we'll just put that on the back burner. Um, and I remember saying to Alex, you know, are we going to challenge her? And, and I remember him saying, look, I've been, I think, banging on, I think might have been the term, banging on about this for for a long time and they won't listen to me and he said maybe they'll listen to you as a, as a mother and I guess that for me resonated and I thought well what have I got to lose you know I've got a son that's dying and that's desperately unwell and you know it was absolutely the worst time in our life watching what Daniel went through and we were desperate so for me it gave me something to do you know where I otherwise felt powerless to help him I guess. So what do you do next in that situation? Who's the next person you email? Do you send an email to the minister, to the premier, to the local media? What do you do? Well, we, we had a family conference about it and um, basically we all felt troubled that we were, you know, now criminals for giving Daniel medicine. And there was no way I was going to deny him access to the canvas once, once we saw how profoundly it helped him. And um, so knowing that he wasn't going to come to any harm, we decided that we needed to discuss whether it was worth taking the risk of, of going public. And we decided that that risk was worth it. It just didn't sit right with any of us that, that Dan was a criminal as well as, you know, as well as having to battle the cancer. He also had that fear. So I decided if we were going to do it, we might as well do it properly. So I, um, we spoke to our local Member of Parliament, um, Kevin Anderson first, and I also spoke to our local media, so local ABC radio and local newspaper. And at the time that I'd been talking to Alex, he'd been contacted by Channel 10 who were looking for a patient who was using medical cannabis. And so that just um, serendipitously helped our cause and um, Alex put me in touch with Channel 10 and we decided that we would do a 
I guess a, a planned approach and um, I set up a website and called it Dan's Story and we also set up a petition on change.org and we, we just planned for everything to go live at the time that the, the television program aired which was on the project which was just a weeknight program and not very significant in the scheme of things but it seemed to work and all of a sudden um, I guess we were catapulted into the media and, and the, the media interest was really huge and it, it didn't really let up after that time. It was kind of fairly steady for basically most of 2014. Alex, what happened to the headwinds that you described earlier? This this difficulty of you know getting traction with this campaign. Suddenly you were watching this thing take off and moving at a rapid pace. Well, I'm a doctor and uh, I spent all my life working in mainstream medicine and one of the core strategies that we use in mainstream medicine is publishing in the medical literature. And so I, um, after we had done the submission to the parliament, we, uh, the same group of three people that I was working with, Professor Laurie Mather, who retired from Sydney University after decades of research in this area, and then two young people, Vivian Moxham Hall and Everett Rowandale, and me, the four of us, published an article in the Medical Journal of Australia. Uh, these articles require an enormous amount of work. And we basically put the case that the evidence for medicinal cannabis, though it had been very hard to build that evidence, and though we didn't have all the evidence that we would have wanted, nevertheless, the evidence that was available was now pretty strong. And it showed that about 100 so-called randomized control trials have been done around the world and that the overwhelming majority of these rigorous scientific trials had shown significant benefit for medicinal cannabis and also shown that the adverse effects, the side effects, if you like, in everyday language were not very troubling and the benefits far outweighed the side effects and really built a very strong case that we should proceed. And that was published in, I think, December 2013. And that was very important for me, very important, I think, for some other people advocating for medicinal cannabis. Of course, there were many other papers on this subject published in the medical literature, but it gave me the confidence that I needed that I was doing the right thing. And that, of course, Lucy was doing the right thing. All of us were doing the right thing. And it also hinted not only in the fact that we should have medicinal cannabis, but how that medicinal cannabis should actually be provided to patients. And the very worst way of providing medicinal cannabis to patients is through the unregulated black market. Of course, if that's the only option, people will still choose it, but it shouldn't be the only option. And that there were good and valid scientific reasons for preferring botanical cannabis to pharmaceutical cannabis. That means it's better if people use leaf cannabis as the starting point rather than as a pill or a mixture or something produced by a major pharmaceutical company. Uh, and they're very, in my view, very cogent reasons for that and still are. As you kept going with this, it seemed that there were fewer and fewer arguments that stacked up on the other side, that you were effectively ticking off all of the boxes to make the case more ironclad. Yes, we did have a lot of the boxes ticked, but
but we also had still had a lot of opposition. Oddly enough, the Australian public, almost 70% of the Australian public, had for four or five years before we started this advocacy, supported medicinal cannabis being available, and an even higher percentage, around 75%, supported more medical research into medicinal cannabis. But we had significant roadblocks. The minister, the federal minister, was clearly not convinced at that stage. But one by one, we got some very important supporters. Alan Jones, through Lucy, the then Prime Minister, Tony Abbott, several rural members of the New South Wales Parliament from the, from the National Party that Lucy knew. And it was all of this support that's now started to emerge, plus huge support from the public that was on a daily drumbeat in the media was coming out. Uh, all of this um, came to this position where the New South Wales Premier, again, thanks to Lucy, said publicly that he supported it. And I think once we got to that stage, it was inevitable that we were going to win this battle. I, I want but, to go back a step, if you don't mind. Lucy, I want to ask you how you got these people to come on board. Uh, what, what was the trick? Uh, look, I think it was mainly putting Daniel in front of people. It's really easy, I think, for politicians just to read emails and letters and, you know, that might be a heartfelt plea, but if they can't see the person, it it's, doesn't really resonate. So I had a bit of a tantrum with our local member. Um, I asked him to help me get Daniel to see the, the Premier and he organised a meeting and then I found out that it actually wasn't with the Premier, it was with one of his advisers. And, and by that stage, Dan was quite sick and and I, I think I paid $1,000 to fly down and back to see who I thought was the Premier and it wasn't him. And so I had a bit of a tantrum about it and said, look, you, you do you really think I would send Dan down to Sydney to see someone that's not the Premier? He's just too sick for that, you know. And Fortunately, that it was their mistake and they rang the Premier and he agreed to see us, which I'm eternally grateful for. And, and that was really a changing point. When, when we sat around the coffee table in the Premier's office and Dan described to him the relief that it gave him, he was, the Premier was a very caring and, and um, feeling person and a parent and he seemed to take it all in and he said at that stage that he wouldn't stand in the way of the private members bill that our local MP was planning to table on our behalf and it was within a couple of weeks that he ended up coming to our home and actually saying well I've been thinking about it since I've met you and I'm worried that a private members bill might not be successful so I think that the government should get behind this and that's what we're going to do so that was really helpful and it really was just down to the humanity of, of the Premier I think. Well I have to say that that's almost phenomenal in terms of the rapidity of the change, that you can touch a Premier in that way and that the government can get behind you so quickly. I mean, do you think back now on, on the speed at which this has happened and how remarkable that is? Yeah, look, I guess so. I mean, I never would have thought at the beginning of the journey that we would be as successful as we have been. I mean, that said, you know, Alex understands we still have a long way to go. But I think um, it was Dan being prepared as a young man to put his face out there. And he used to, he, it, was, it was very difficult for him to do. He used to say, 
I hate being known as the, the boy with cancer or the, the guy that uses cannabis because it really, it was quite distasteful to him, the idea of using, you know, of being associated with recreational drug use and being considered a criminal. But I guess Stan was just strong enough to do it initially. And, and we were very easily able to communicate through social media and encourage other people to do what we were doing. So I was able to encourage people through change.org to go and see their local MP if they had a similar story and people started sharing their stories online and YouTube videos and I think the other important thing that I was able to do with Premier Baird was um, there was a, a YouTube video which really affected me about a little girl from Coffs Harbour called Daisha Magic Stevens and her family had made this video about her and showed her intractable epilepsy and, and videoed her having seizures and they put it to music and um, basically she'd been given a fairly poor prognosis and the only medication left um, was high-dose steroids that came with a plethora of bad side effects and her parents ended up finding high CBD oil for her and she was then seizure-free and they put it to music and it was very dramatic and I watched it and I made my whole family watch it and... Of course, once I realised about intractable epilepsy, that was something that was, you know, I just, as a mother, I guess, you just put yourself into the position of watching a young child having seizures. And so I was able to um, get the Premier to talk to that family and that the father was actually very sick. Uh, he had cancer himself and he was on his deathbed and I asked the Premier if he could please, if he was in the area of Coffs Harbour, go and see this dad who was just desperate to see this resolved for his wife and children. And within two days, the Premier was at his bedside and that was really significant too because um, my local member used to say to me, Lucy, don't talk to me about children and cannabis in the same breath, which I found was very narrow-minded and very frustrating. But very soon then the Premier understood the issues around intractable epilepsy and, and the results that some children were having with cannabis tincture. And so he was prepared to take that on board and hence the announcement for the paediatric epilepsy trials. So Alex, do you think what's required in these uh, movements for, for change that you have to have, as well as the scientific data, you've got to have these very compelling human stories that cut through and make things happen quickly? Without a doubt, and I think we're much better off in advocating for change if the advocate, uh, forgive me Lucy, if the advocate is a woman and if the advocate presents as a member of the community rather than a professional male. And although Lucy's got a strong background in nursing, she didn't really talk as a nurse, she talked as a mother. And my memory goes back to the early days of Australia's response to AIDS and the incredible role that Ida Butros presented. And Ida Butros really cut through with the Australian people. Thank God for that. Um, she did a magnificent job as a wonderful communicator with uh, very great clarity. And Lucy has similar qualities. Um, she could speak to the Australian people very clearly as a member of the community rather than as a remote ivory tower academic and, um, and as a male. And I've got 
unfortunately, some of those negative characteristics in terms of communication. So had many of the other advocates for medicinal cannabis, but Lucy didn't. And Lucy had a human story to tell and it really cut through to people. I mean, you can argue till you're blue in the face about the medical literature, but when you see somebody flesh and blood in front of you who is clearly suffering and who's clearly had that suffering reduced by a, a fairly simple intervention, I'm not surprised that Premier Michael Baird melted in the face of that kind of evidence in front of him because it, it was a human story. It wasn't some kind of abstract scientific story. Lucy, what have you learnt about the process or the nature of change through doing all of this? Oh, gosh. I've learnt that it doesn't come easily, that people expect you to give up and that you have to keep going. I guess I've learnt that people will often say no, but you just have to ask again in a different way. And I suppose I've learnt a little bit about politics and about playing the game that is politics. Because sadly, even though people like Premier Baird really had a heartfelt change, not everybody is the same and not all politicians are the same. Um, some health ministers have been happy to say, oh, yes, but everyone has a story and to brush it off. So I guess I guess you find your allies. So you make the most of people that, that do come around to your way of thinking and you try and continue to gather allies to help you. And, you know, people like Alex has been a great ally because, you know, he sent me that paper very early and so I was able to back up what I was saying with some scientific evidence and... And I have colleagues around me who can do the same now. So if I hit a hurdle, I'll shoot an email to um, to one of my colleagues or to, to Professor Laurie Mather and they provide me with the answer. So, yeah, I guess just gathering as much help as you can and never giving up. Have you learned a lot about um, how to garner and develop bipartisan support? Because that seems to have been crucial for this to come off. Yes, look, I mean, I've been really lucky in that respect. I think what happened to us here in Australia has happened all around the world with, with you know, you look at Charlotte Figge in the United States, um, you know, began the trend over there. I think people in Australia were just ready to hear it. And certainly the night that we aired on Sunday night on Channel 7, they did an online poll in that four hours and they had like 2.82 million respondents and 97% were in favour of medical cannabis. So I think the media has played a huge role and I think where politicians have been a little bit slow to come on board, certainly the thing that's convinced them has been the public opinion because they all want to be re-elected. And sadly that's been behind a lot of the politics in it. So those that haven't come on board easily have come on board because they've seen that it's politically salient to be in that space and to either get on board with it or get left behind or, or not be re-elected, I guess. Well, within a year of your son's death, uh, after Daniel died, there's been legislation passed in the Victorian Parliament, in the Queensland Parliament and in the Federal Parliament, which is absolutely extraordinary isn't it it's just an incredible result well yeah it is but i'm not satisfied with that unfortunately andrew i i um i want to give the government credit but i'm not ready to give the, at least the federal government i'm not ready to give them credit because they've actually created i think a bureaucratic nightmare for patients which isn't going to translate into 
easy, safe, affordable access. I think it's it's we needed a simple system and we actually have got the opposite. And I think they're actually going to create more customers for the black market the way they've gone about it. So even though the legislation's changed, you know, that, that is great, um, but the regulations that they've managed to put in around it are very disappointing to say the least. They've created a bureaucratic nightmare for people and, you know, Alex knows, as I, I do, that when you're sick and battling for your life, you don't have the energy to spend doing very time-consuming special access scheme applications. And, um, you know, and I'm really hoping that they will review the way they've approached it. And that's what I'll be aiming for, for pushing now. Uh, Alex, in your view, what has to happen next? Well, we have to firstly be very clear about what the finishing line is. And I think Lucy and I haven't discussed this, but I'm sure we'd agree instantly in where we want to end up. We want to end up with a scheme which is simple, which is fast, which provides quality cannabis, which is also consistent and safe. And we also have to have a system which is affordable. We have to remember that many of the people, not all, many of the people who are going to need medicinal cannabis will have been sick for a long time and they will have either started off with very little in the way of savings or they've used up all their savings because of their illness. Uh, and we have to cater for those people as well as people who can afford medicinal cannabis at higher prices. Um, we also have to have a product that delivers the right ingredients of cannabis, a very complicated plant. Uh, so it's got to deliver the right ingredients quickly so that the person can work out what the right dose is, not too much, not too little. And the right dose is the dose that relieves the symptoms or if we've got evidence that medicinal cannabis can be curative and there's still debate about that, but we've got to have the right dose so that the benefits far outweigh any negatives. We're a long way from having a system that can do all of those things. I think Lucy would agree with that. And that's the finishing line. And I agree with Lucy completely that right now it's a bureaucratic nightmare uh, for patients and their families across Australia. We've, we've got legislation, that's wonderful, but legislation isn't enough. Legislation is only the beginning. What we really need is for patients and their families to get the medicine they want and need very quickly. We're a long way from that. Lucy? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Regulation is one thing, but um, I feel like we're really just at the start of a very long journey, to be honest. Um, I think that we've got a lot of hurdles ahead of us. You know, even even coming down to as simple a thing as personal arrogance, really, that's come into the mix. And, and that's a sad fact, But um, and it's difficult to tackle that. Can you elaborate on what you mean on personal arrogance? What, what are you referring to? Well, I'm talking about bureaucrats who sit in their ivory tower writing regulations. Um, one of the things that was promised at the time that the legislation passed on Dan's anniversary, so the 24th of February last year, it was looking like Labor were going to call for it to go to committee. And the government's health ministry rang me and said, look, if we could get Labor to not require this to go to committee, we could get this legislation through. So. 
I rang Labor and I said, look, please don't require it to go to committee. We've waited long enough. It's Dan's anniversary. Let's just get this through. And they agreed to that on the proviso that the government appointed an advisory council to guide the writing of the regulations. And that was something that I very much wanted as well. Because, you know, the simple fact is prohibitions meant that there are no experts on medical cannabis in Australia. So the government agreed to appoint an, a, an expert advisory council, but they never did. So I, I continued to contact them and say, where's the advisory council? And I'd be told, oh, you know, oh, we're a bit busy and we're getting to it. And, oh, we're in caretaker mode. Oh, no, we can't do it while we're in caretaker mode. So here it is a year later, we've got the regulations written and they're very prohibitive, they're very restrictive and really patients have got to jump through hoops to be able to access medical cannabis. So um, that advisory council was never written. Um, the regulations were, were orchestrated by one or two individuals who have no background in medical cannabis, who didn't consult and now we're seeing the price for that. It's very poorly written. It's not written with any amount of compassion or desire to see patients get access. It actually reads as being the complete opposite. So, and that's down to one or two individuals who, you know, who won't even take any criticism on the fact. So that's, I guess, what I mean. Well, to both of you, to Alex Wodak and Lucy Haslam, thank you very much. Thanks very much, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew, and thank you, Lucy. Dr Alex Wodak, the President of the Australian Drug Law Reform Foundation, and Lucy Haslam, the founder of United in Compassion, which lobbies for greater access to medicinal cannabis. Change Agents is a collaboration between The Conversation and the Swinburne Leadership Institute and Swinburne University's Department of Media and Communication. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or listen on SoundCloud. Producer Sam Wilson, production Heather Jarvis. I'm Andrew Dodd. See you next time for Change Agents. Change Agents.